0: get ready to start your new morning ritual with our new sponsor, Mudwater. Coffee is one of America's favorite beverages with more and more people starting their coffee habits every day with a cup of that flavorful anxiety juice. But let's be real. Have you ever heard anyone say, I'm working on getting more coffee into my life? Millions of people complain about the jitters that come from coffee consumption. Our morning coffee rituals can be habit-forming, and for some people, can make getting a good night's sleep almost impossible, and while nearly all of us like the smell, taste, and ritual of our morning coffee, why not explore eliminating the negative aspects of our morning brew? Well, what if your coffee replacement helped induce alertness not dependency improve mental capacity and function improve physical stamina and performance improve immunity and overall health oh and by the way it tastes good enough to drink every single day meet mud water mud water is your fastest growing coffee alternative in the market consisting of organic ingredients lauded by cultures both old and young for their health and performance benefits with one seventh the caffeine of coffee mud gives you the natural energy and focus you expect from coffee but without the jitters and crash With an organic blend of mushrooms and ingredients like cacao, marsala chai, turmeric, lion's mane, and more, Mudwater offers a beverage like no other. Whether you want to enjoy it hot, cold, as a latte, or however you take your coffee in the morning, Mudwater is the zero sugar, zero crash, zero jitter alternative sure to leave you feeling recharged and refocused. Listen, I'm really excited to have Mudwater as a sponsor here on The Brian Nichols Show because I've been able to see the Mudwater difference for myself, and you can too. So click the link in the show notes. To get some mud, support the show, and get your new morning ritual started right with Mudwater. And now, onto the show. Can I pause for a
1: second and just note that uh, we got Brian on here, who's getting uh, Congressman Massey on, and our typical lineup includes like homeless people that believe in Bigfoot. <laughs>
0: Do you find yourself just not wanting to go along to get along? Do you find everyone around you talking about things that you're like, does that really matter? Well, you're at the right place because, yes, this is Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. And today I am joined by the former vice presidential nominee for the Libertarian Party here in 2020, Spike Cohen. Now, Spike joins the show because, yes, we are looking at things Through the lens of sales, building value, and solving problems, and believe it or not, when we start talking to people about the issues that they actually care about, and not the issues that we think they care about, and that includes what we see in the news right now, people don't really care about that stuff, they're being told to care about that stuff, and being scared into believing and caring about this stuff, but Let's talk about what they actually care about. What are their main concerns, those bed bug issues? Spike Cohen joins the show to dig into that and more. So without further ado, on to the show, Spike Cohen here on The Brian Nichols Show. Brian, thanks so much for having me on, man. Absolutely, my friend. Now, this is not the first time that we've been able to do a podcast together. We actually, during the campaign, we ended up being on a show together as we got down to the, uh, the wire before the election. And, it was funny. We ended up talking about what I wanted to have you on the show today and that is how do we sell liberty, right? This has been yes. the focus of my show now since or really since August. Um you know, I was like my day job, I'm a sales executive. Why not apply it to what we're doing here in politics and we're trying to relate these ideas to people on a real person-to-person basis. So how about this? Cause I, because Obviously, you were the vice presidential uh, candidate for the LP. I think you mm-hmm. had one of the best platforms to advocate liberty, and I think it'd be great for folks who maybe aren't familiar with you and uh, your, your campaign, but also your past history as a libertarian activist to get to know who you are. So Spike Cohen, who is this libertarian activist turned vice presidential candidate that found himself at the top of libertarian ticket?
1: Who is Spike Cohen? So, uh, well, first of all, my background's actually not in politics. My background's in business. I actually started a web design company... Uh, when I was 16. And I grew that into a pretty successful company. And uh, I had a pretty life changing event that made me realize that I had spent enough time at that point, it had been almost 20 years, Uh, I had spent a good bit of time uh, making money. And I wanted to focus on what really drove me, which was on telling people that we can live better lives by being more free. And that what actually led to that was, uh, I was diagnosed with MS. After two Uh, really weird years of trying to figure out what was wrong with me. They finally confirmed that I had MS. And uh, that wasn't the devastating part. The devastating part was when the doctor – uh, Talked to me about my treatment options and said the the point of of the the goal of your MS treatment is to try to slow down the rate of progression of your MS so that it's not much different than just the regular rate of progr- of, of of decline that we that we experience as we age. That hit me like a ton of bricks because I thought it doesn't matter. You have MS, you don't have MS, you're perfectly healthy, whatever. We're all just kind of slowly declining until we're not here anymore, and and, and then I got even more depressed because I thought. You know, a hundred years from now, none of us are gonna be here. All that will matter is what we have left behind. What legacy have we built? And I started thinking, what do I want my legacy to be? And I realized I want my legacy to be telling people that we don't have to live this way telling people that we can be more free, helping set America free and set the world free for that matter. And whatever, to whatever extent I can be a part of that, I, I wanted to do that. So I retired from my company and uh, started full time with, with podcasting and libertarian activism, but mostly just in the messaging realm, in the entertainment realm, more so than actually, you know, doing the electoral politics work. I just wanted people to know they could be more free. And as I was you know, getting out there and, and getting the message more, kind of marketing outside of traditional libertarian circles, uh, which is why so many people in the LP had no idea who the hell I was when I, when I first <laughs> ran. Uh, the, uh, but when, as I was doing that and talking to people who had never heard these types of ideas that made so much intuitive sense to them, but it just took someone saying it to them for the first time. And I thought, you know, the libertarian party needs to have people at the top of the ticket who are not just principled, And not just, you know, act, you know, real libertarians, quote unquote, but actual like have a have the ability to spread the message of liberty in a way that connects with everyday people, because if we do that, then it's going to work. And I thought, well. I ran, a, I, I started a successful business from nothing largely on my ability to, uh, you know, sell products to people and, 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 you know, t- turn a, turn an angry cold call answerer into someone into a client within a four or five minute period. Uh, I, uh, you know, why don't I try applying this to, uh, the, you know, to, to running for office. So I ran for, uh, the vice presidential nomination, which as you know, and, and your viewers may not, uh, or your listeners may not, uh, it's, uh, It's not a slate or it's not it's not where we pick our presidential candidate and then they pick their running mate. We actually run separate campaigns. So I actually ran for and won the nomination for the vice president. Uh, And then I ran in the in the general with Joe. And uh, that really just drove home everything that that I already had believed up until that point, that when you meet people where they are and I I literally met them where they were, I went to 35 different states, uh, over 70 campaign stops, talked with tens, uh, well over 10,000 people. We're estimating around 15,000 people uh, that came out to all the different events Um, and connect with them and actually explain why they're facing the problems that they're facing, that we actually care about the problems that they're facing. And that, how our common sense solutions are the way to fix it, uh, we can bring them home. We can bring them to liberty. It just takes someone making that connection with them.
0: Wow, yeah, that I mean, well, candidly, right? That's what we've been doing here on the show, especially since August, because I realized that there was a really right. big void, um, you know, in in a lot of that that kind of approach to. And it sounds tacky, but like selling liberty. But at the end of the day, everything in life is sales. selling. I've, I've said this, yeah, yes. it, you know, either is you're selling yourself, a product, an idea. Or in this case, we're selling liberty. And and I think there are a lot of people out there who are absolutely desiring, craving this alternative. I mean, we're recording today here on on January 6th, and we just watched the Capitol be be stormed by the the MAGA rally. And there's a lot of folks in the GOP who I've been seeing on social media. They're like, I'm done. Like, (laughs) I can't anymore. And in... To them, yep. they're yep. looking for the alternative. So I I then will turn this to you, Spike. I, I'm curious because you, you started to allude to it, right? You went across the entire United States, 35 uh, states to be exact, right? And you're talking mm-hmm. to people face-to-face uh, as much as we could here in a year of COVID back in 2020. But one of the yep. things that we're trying to do in sales, like you said, is while we're meeting them while they're where they're at – Also, talking to the issues that really are the issues that are already in their mind. So, Spike, when you're out on the road, you're talking to folks. What were some of the top issues that people were reflecting to you saying, Spike, if you're vice president, this is an area I hope you can help me with?
1: Overwhelmingly, what I heard was, and it all boiled down to the same thing, which is government was making is making my life unnecessarily difficult. So here's the type of stuff I heard. I'm not able to work right now because I've been deemed non-essential. My business has been shut down because I'm not a big crony business, and I can't, you know, I can't lobby the politicians for me to stay open. So the average of five or six customers I get a day can't come to my business, uh, you know, because we have to stop the slow, slow the spread of COVID while we're all crowding ourselves into into you know big box retail stores every day. Um, and uh, I talked to people who uh, had criminal records that you know. Uh, for for victimless crimes, usually like drug possession and and, and petty drug sales crimes, who now they aren't able to vote. Now they aren't able to own a weapon. Now they're not able to get a good job. Now they're not able to get a business license. They're not able to leave the state. Um, I talk to people who they can't afford the cost of living. They can't afford the cost of health care. They can't afford the cost of housing. They can't afford the cost of higher education. Uh, I talked to people who one of the biggest re- reasons they came out was because they wanted to hear uh, our take on what was going on with police brutality and the and the protests and the riots, especially uh, in the in some of the more urban communities that I, I would go into, like in Oakland and in, in parts of Des Moines and, and other places that I went to. You know, they wanted to hear they, they knew Trump's take and they knew Biden's take on it, but they wanted to hear ours. But overwhelmingly, if you distilled it down into what the actual message behind it was, is I am scared because I don't know how I'm going to be able to make ends meet if I'm going to, you know, be if my kids are going to have a better future than me, if I can even afford for my kids to have the things that they need and much less be able to you know, thrive and and, and prosper and, and advance. And I don't even know where to start on how to fix that you know the reason that we're seeing these protests right now and it's it's you know it's it's timely that we're having this this talk when we're having it um is that the reason we're seeing these protests are the and, and these riots in in DC and in other places are the same reason that they voted for Trump and frankly and this is something that neither side really wants to admit we're seeing these riots and protests for the largely the same reason that we saw riots and protests in the wake of the George Floyd murder people are losing their livelihoods and are scared of the people in authority over them. And they don't have a, they ha- don't know that there is a, a good and constructive way to be able to actually uh, you know change this thing so that it's not like this. And so they fall into the media narrative of being divided against each other, that it's left versus right, that it's Republican versus Democrat, that for that matter that it's white versus black. It's not, it is us versus a small handful of incredibly powerful people who rob us every single day to enrich themselves. And they stick us with the bill with interest. They rob us not just of our money. They rob us of our freedom to be able to thrive. They rob us of our opportunities, not just with these lockdowns, but even before that with licensing laws and taxes and mandates and regulations that make it functionally impossible for most people to even be able to thrive. You know, They, they do all of these things to us intentionally in order to keep us desperate and divided and at each other's throats so that we don't take a take a step back and say wait a second they're all in on this together this is a big scam so it's incumbent upon us to be able to give that message and say listen this isn't about what you've been told it's about this is about us versus and I, I hate to use these you know populist catchphrases like the elites or something like that but it's it's us versus politicians and cronies. Republicans and cronies who put them in office. That's who it is. And until we kick them out of office and until we replace them with people who recognize that people do best when they are most free, it's going to just keep getting worse. But the good news is when we kick them out of office and when we put people in office who recognize that people do best when they are most free, everything can start getting better.
0: So then the question, of course, the age old question as well, Spike, how do we do it, right? And we go towards um, a sales approach and my, you know, looking at yep. the situation, I say, well, you know, one of the main things you, you hinted at, fear. People are afraid. They're scared of tomorrow. And yep. the, the sad reality in sales, and this is just a fundamental, you know, aspect that we have to, to gra- you know, grasp with is that people buy based on emotion and then they rationalize that decision after the fact with a lot of Yep. Yeah,
1: yep, yep. so
0: if we know that going into the fact, right? So I would say, why aren't we approaching that? But number two, we also know that people are looking to make these decisions and build trust with the person that they're, they're building this transaction with. So right, why right, are right. folks looking at us and not feeling they can trust us when we're identifying the problems? We are identifying that we have the right solutions, but they're still not taking that step forward in trusting us with the vote. Where are we losing them there?
1: So I would say, first of all, that 90% of people don't even know we exist or they might have this vague idea of this party libertarian party something like that but you know they they just remember that they'll see us on the ballot as one of those other options that they've never heard of before and that's about it and then of that 5 to 10% of people who actually do know who we are the vast majority of them think or at least a a, a solid majority of them think Yeah, you know what? Your ideas might be better, or they might not be better. But if I don't vote Democrat, we're going to get those Republicans. Or if I don't vote Republican, we're going to get those Democrats. Which we can go back to why why that's actually an intentional thing that how that actually ends up happening. But you know, going back to your issue, I don't think our biggest issue is necessarily that people don't trust us. Hmm. I think our biggest issue is that most people have no idea who the hell we are Hmm. and have never even heard our ideas. I went to you know, like I said, I went to 35 states. I went across the country. There were two groups of people that came out to my uh, to my uh, uh, my rallies and, and events, people who knew who I was and was co- were coming out to support me, and people who had absolutely no idea who the hell I was, what is this giant bus that says Jorgensen Cohen on it, president of what? What is it you're running for? What the hell is this? Why are you in my city? Like, And, and there was almost no, there, there were very rarely did I run into someone who went, oh, yeah, I've heard of you. I'm interested in what you have to say. They either supported us or had no clue who the hell we were. And which I'd say is a good problem to have. I'd much rather, you know, again in sales, I'd much rather have a, a captive audience that I get to expose them to my idea for, before anyone else. Um, but so when they would come out, they would ask, you know, questions like, you know, what? what and the way they phrase it would often emotionally trigger these libertarians that showed up because they'd say stuff like, "Well, what are you going to give me so I can afford healthcare? I think healthcare is a human right." Now, you and me as libertarians go, ah, healthcare is not a human right. You know, and we get into our whole, you know, philosophical thing. But as salespeople, we heard the pain point there, right? We heard, I'm scared that healthcare is too expensive. Bingo. Bingo. And I mean, they, they'd often come in and tell stories about, like, you know, I, especially during this pandemic, you know, I have a loved one who is, you know, just got out of the hospital and then thankfully they survived their COVID, but they have a $100,000 hospital bill. How are they supposed to pay that? Other countries, it's free. Now, If we get out of our own libertarian thought process for a second, imagine just thinking that that actually is not an unreasonable statement that that person said, right? I should. Why should I have to be paying six figures for something that isn't my fault when in most other developed countries I'd be paying zero dollars, right? From that standpoint, that makes perfect sense to that person. And if our response to that is healthcare is not a right, you must not have ever heard of positive and negative rights. I bet you think you, you, you have the right to other people's labor. Labor sounds like slavery to me, bootlicker. If we talk to them that way, the, in their head, they're thinking – I just came to you and said that I'm scared that I'm going to end up in a hospital and it's going to ruin me for decades. And you insulted me Mm -hmm. at best. They will ignore everything you say moving past that at worst. You just made an enemy who is going to reflexively hate everything that you have to say moving forward from there and, 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 create even more problems. My response was that's absolutely terrible this healthcare system is a mess. We didn't need this pandemic to tell us that the healthcare system we have is an absolute joke. The government pays more money per taxpayer on healthcare in this country than almost any other country except for like 3 or 4 other countries, and that's before you factor in the the about 3 times more that's being spent out of pocket. We are paying something like four or five times more than the average developed country per patient on this same roughly the same level of healthcare. This system was set up to benefit incredibly powerful cronies by creating laws and regulations and taxes that entrench the powers that be at the expense of everyone else, especially the patients and the small doctors. Our plan is to completely dismantle that, get rid of all those regulations that are driving up the cost, get rid of the regulations that are that are mandating this insurance system, which is the, the main driver of, of, the, of the increase in costs, and... Return to a system where you can actually afford your health care, one that doesn't have to make it be paid for in taxes or in debt that your children and grandchildren are, are having to pay, one that doesn't ration care, but instead actually massively expands the amount of care that you can have. And, you know, and, and one that is actually sustainable and will be able to continue moving forward and allow for more innovations because there are more actors in that market. And, of course, you know, depending on how long of a forum I had, I, I, I would get into specific examples like certificate of need laws and patent protections for drugs that have been around and all that stuff. But what did I do there, Brian? And, and you as a salesperson, you know exactly what I did. I met them where they were. I empathized with their concerns. I validated their concerns and demonstrated I was actually listening to them. Then I, ex- I identified what the problem was and I applied the feel-felt-found method. I know how you feel. Many other people have felt this way. And what we have found is that this is the way to fix it. And by doing that, by you know applying basic sales and marketing techniques and just using it in a, in a, in a political sense, in a, in a political sphere, talking about these ideas, I was able to sell people on what is essentially dismantling the federal healthcare system that we have right now. I would do the same thing with education, where I was essentially telling them that I, w- or not essentially, I was telling them that I want to completely dismantle the federal department of education and possibly even the state departments of education. I didn't even rule out total privatization of schools, but the way I sold it was taking the money and the power and the freedom back putting that money back in your hands so that you and the educators are deciding what your children's education looks like and i had teachers applauding me i was on an interview with a teachers union and i literally sold that teachers union in california on uh, on decentralization of the school system all you have to do is apply basic sales and marketing techniques and if it makes you feel icky to say sales and marketing look at it this way eve all sales all marketing, all politics, all talking with people is really just talking with people and finding a way to uh, uh, to uh, relate to them enough so that you can get them to where you are. And, and, and we call it sales or marketing or whatever else, but whether you're trying to sell them a website package or whether you're, what is it you sell?
0: So my uh, day job, we're focusing on, it's mostly telecommunications industry, um, but also the cybersecurity okay. business continuity. So we're talking to a market of, you know, C-level executives, IT directors, IT managers, okay. and we're, we're focusing more on, you know, right now, the common threat we're seeing in cybersecurity. Um, so yeah, that, that to your point, so, right? So, so, so like yeah. B, B, B2B IT services
1: or yeah. whatever, whatever it is you're selling to someone or even selling, hey, it's even stuff like selling, you know, hey, let's, you know, let's, start a business together or, hey, uh, you know, why don't you go in on this project with me or whatever? Any idea that you're trying to get someone else on, you're basically, if you're good at it, you're applying sales and marketing techniques. And There's nothing magic about me. The reason I've been as successful as I am in a relatively short period of time in the political sphere is because I'm applying basic sales and marketing techniques. And when you do that and and, and it it requires a, a change of how you look at how you're interacting with people, you're not you're not pushing your libertarians often believe that the best way for us to sell our ideas is to present the most logical argument ever. And if we present this argument, they will just, you know, be in awe at how you know flawproof it is and how how flawless it is. You know, we present this logical argument, and they go, "My God, look at this argument! I can't find a single logical problem in it. There's no way I could refute this unless I was to engage in logical fallacy, and I'd certainly never do that. I'm a libertarian now, and that's not how most people think. Some of us think that way, but that's not how most people think. You have to." Uh, meet them in an emotional level and connect with them and you can very quickly move it to a logical level but the first thing you have to do is demonstrate that you give a crap about them and the best way to do that and hear me out is to actually give a crap about them how about that how about that and then once you do that it, it all kind of flows through you connect with them listen to them Ask them questions. I I had someone that asked me, and I know this is quite a run-on answer, but I had someone ask me. They said, I want to go to my local community groups and invite them to come out to my events. I said, no, no, no. Say you'd like to go to their events. And when you go there, ask them questions. And when they answer them, ask them more questions. And then when they answer those questions... Ask them even more questions. Find out everything you possibly can because two things are happening there. Number one, you're identifying everything you need to know to be able to present your ideas to them. And number two, whether they like it or not, they are subconsciously developing a bond with you because what their brain is hearing is this person cares about me and wants to find out more. So by the time you start talking, not only do they feel like they're talking to someone they can trust and that cares about them, but because you've let them do most of the talking, they think it's their idea or at least their lizard brain does. That's another skill technique <laughs> I, Spike, did you watch
0: the new movie, um, Soul? That new Pixar movie.
1: I have not. No, no. no?
0: Okay, spoiler alert. It's it's not a, a, any you know crucial plot you know revealing moment, but there's <laughs> there's one part in the show where um the guy who he's getting a second chance at life um mm-hmm. his body is being taken over by another soul, and the other soul is experiencing his life, and he's at the barbers that he usually goes to. And in his talking to the barber, and he's told the, the person who's taking over his body right now, you know, this is the barber I usually go to, he's the best barber, he's always wanted to be a barber, his number one thing he can do is be a, the best barber out there. And, you know, right. the person who took over his soul is now sitting in the chair, and they start talking to him and saying, hey, you know, it's it's amazing, you've always wanted to be a barber. And they're like, well, you know, I, I didn't really always want to be a barber. They're like, really? He's like, no, actually, you know, like, I want to be a veterinarian. And then starts this progression of a conversation in which the the main character gets to learn all about their barber and as they're leaving the, the the barber shop he's like, hey, you know, I didn't know all that stuff about you. He's like, well, you never asked and, you know, I'm actually really yep, glad you yep, did today. Yep, yep. And that established in the movie a, a long lasting bond that wasn't there before but all it took was a genuine asking, hey, what's yep, your problem? Yep. And, and that's the part, Spike, that I think a lot of people don't realize is that when we ask people, what's your problem? They're going to tell us. Yeah. <laughs> And they're going to tell us their way. And
1: that's OK. I had in Oakland, I had someone come out and uh, I was in an area. It was probably, I don't know, probably 70, 80 percent black. And and we had a lot of of African-Americans, a lot of uh, Jamaican immigrants, actually, that came out. And they were asking me all these different questions. And it, it was interesting to see. We had the libertarian crowd and the local crowd that that came out. And the libertarian crowd was stuff like, you know, on what day are you gonna end the Fed? And I'm like, day one, and they're like, yay, like you know that kind of stuff. But then the other, so then I we, I had many different questions: healthcare, um, housing, gentrification, all these different things. But one person asked me, and the reason I always point this out is because of the way that they that they asked it. He he said to me, you know, he was talking about the fact that uh, you know his children that are going to school hear almost nothing about african-american history especially local african-american history they hear about european history they hear about roman history they hear about early american history they hear you know martin luther king and malcolm x and maybe one or two other people but they're not hearing about like this apparently very rich history of of you know civil rights people and immigrant rights people in the bay area in oakland why are they not hearing it and he said so what are you if you get into office what are you going to give us Again, now think as a libertarian, what the sounds like, what are you going to give us for us to be able to get, uh, you know, to be able to to That's get the objection. education for our all children. he's
0: doing? He's giving us an objection. Right. And now it's on you. Right. To uncover. Yeah, it's a real objection.
1: It's on. It's up to me to answer it. Now, as
0: he's asking
1: this, I'm hearing the grumbling from the libertarian crowd. I'm going (laughs) to give you you. because what I'm supposed to say is I'm not going to give you a damn thing. We're going to take over the world and leave you alone. And by the way, when you say you're going to take over the world and leave you alone to the average American, what they're hearing is I'm going to neglect you. I'm going to not meet your needs. You're going to be neglected. If I get into office, that scares the crap out of them. But That's a whole other subject. So without skipping a beat, When he says, what are you going to give me? I said, I'm going to give you everything. Everyone was quiet. I said, here's what I'm going to do. Because what I heard, so here I said, I'm taking too far of a step forward. I said, I'm going to give you everything. And I said, the reason your education, that you're having the problems you are with education is because money is being taken from your community and put in the hands of people to decide what your education looks like. Who don't care about you or your children, who know nothing about you or your children or your community and do not care. All they care about is getting your money and telling you how to live. I said, our plan is to completely dismantle that and put all of that money. I said, oh, I said, I can't tell you how many tens of billions of dollars have been taken from your community over the last 50 years since the Federal Department of Education has existed. But I know it's in the billions. And I can, I can tell you that it's in the hundreds of billions that have been taken from other similar communities around the country over the last 50 years. I can tell you that over $2 trillion has been taken and spent by the Federal Department of Education, and things have been worse over that time. And they've been especially worse in the most marginalized communities like yours. My plan is to completely dismantle all of that to take all of that money and all of that decision-making ability and all of that freedom and put it back in your hands so that you and your teachers and that your children and the educators can determine what the education looks like in your community, empowered with everything back in your hands where it always belonged. I got a standing ovation. Well, everyone was standing. It was outside. But I I got (laughs) cheers and applause from that immigrant community, and I just sold them on what could either be decentralizing uh, uh, education all the way down to the local level, not just taking the feds out, but even taking the states out or possibly even full privatization. But either way, I was selling them on a very, very, very libertarian thing that we are often told is is way too much to tell them right off the bat. But the way I did it was as a moral tale. Right. Powerful people have taken this from you. They don't care about you. And if it and, and, and I also had expanded upon the whole school to prison pipeline thing and how it feeds into that. And I said, by dismantling all of this and putting it back in your hands, we fix many problems just starting with education, but moving on to economic issues, social issues, criminal justice issues, all sorts of things are solved or at least greatly ameliorated. When you and your educators in your community are are empowered to decide what your education looks like and the money is going to actually teaching your children, that's how you sell stuff. But but it took me – instead of wanting someone to ask me the question or talk to me the way that I like it because I'm a libertarian and I like to talk primarily about philosophy and praxis and ethos and so forth – I let them say it the way they said it. I reflected back the way they said it to them. And then I brought it back to what I wanted to talk about, which was complete decentralization of everything.
0: And you meant more and more of that. And then they can look at you and say, wow, you know, 10 days later, they're sitting there eating their Cheerios and they say, what was that guy talking about? You know, getting rid of all this, you know, the, the, the schooling from from the federal department of education and they put it back in our hands. What? And then they start to think yep. about more. And then, and then they go to this, the, the city council meeting. And they start asking some questions, or they go to the school board meeting and they start asking mm-hmm. some questions, and then they start causing a ruckus. And that's when. The change starts. Spike Cohen. Exactly. There's so much more. I I, I looked at the time. I was like, oh, my God. We are already at almost half an hour. <laughs> so here's what I want to do. I want to wrap up here with this. I want to give you a chance to uh, to make sure folks can find you and all the work. You're doing phenomenal work, and you have been for quite a while over at Muddied right. Waters Media. I had the chance to be on uh, the writer's block with Matt Wright back in the day. What a great conversation. Oh, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. yeah and we've yeah. been bonding about AJR lately, too. So that's been a lot of fun. But uh, obviously, Spike, you've been doing a lot of work at Muddy's Waters. So give uh, folks an overview. What can they expect when they go over and give a subscribe to your phenomenal shows.
1: Absolutely. So we have uh, two shows, uh, two main shows, which are the muddy waters of freedom, which is on Tuesdays at eight Eastern. Um, and that is where Matt uh, that Brian was just talking about. And I, uh, we are co-owners of muddy waters Media, and We're also the co-hosts of the muddy waters of freedom. We parse through the week's events and kind of talk about what's happened each week uh, and give a libertarian perspective on that. And it's a, it's a fun, funny, entertaining show. Uh, and then the second uh, on, on Wednesdays, uh, at 8 p.m. Eastern, I have My Fellow Americans, and that's where I interview people, most of whom are outside of the libertarian circles. Uh, I interview more, you know, prominent people to talk about the issues that they're talking about and kind of bring a libertarian flair into that. Um, so that's what I'm doing there. On my social media, on my Spike Cohen social media, uh, I also do a show called uh, uh, Culture of Winning, where I'm interviewing elected libertarians to kind of demystify the idea of libertarians getting elected. It happens every single election cycle to talk about how they got elected uh to talk about what they're going to do now that they've been elected and also to build a blueprint for how libertarians can get elected across the country um so you know money waters media is on all different uh, uh all all the different social media platforms and on all the podcasting sites uh my my own you know political page Spike Cohen that's on Facebook YouTube Instagram I'm on TikTok for the kids I'm rarely on TikTok but uh but I'm on Facebook and Instagram and 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 Twi- and YouTube and Twitter And uh, and then also, uh, if anyone lives near, is this going to air this week? It's actually going to air. So it's going to air next week. Okay, so then this part doesn't matter. You you can you can either leave this in or not. Uh, Last week. Uh, I th- this last weekend I was in Sacramento, California, for the uh, reopen California now protest, and I spoke there and I'm going to be doing more stuff like that across the country. I'm going to be speaking at uh, at protests and events for people who uh, you know, are expressing frustration at what government is doing to them and bringing a libertarian message to them.
0: Man, Spike, we could go on forever, man. So I think this is going to be <laughs> the starting off point of a, a very happy, reoccurring guest ship, if you will, um, here on the Brinical Show. Hope so. Spike, thank I you so much. That. I know you have some places to go, people to talk to. As always, uh, folks, if you're interested in checking out Spike and all the great work he and the crew at Muddied Waters are doing, hit the show notes. I'll make sure I include all the links so you guys can have a uh, easier chance to go ahead and find Spike and all the great work that he and his team are doing. Spike Cohen, thanks for joining the Brinical Show. Of course, man. Thank you. Before we wrap up, I want to tell you about an amazing new podcast. You longtime listeners of The Brian Nichols Show know him well, and that is one Brad Palumbo in his stellar new program, Breaking Boundaries. Join Brad as he interviews top writers, politicians, and thinkers from all across the political spectrum to give you a new perspective you won't find in the mainstream liberal media or right-wing echo chambers. From guests like Rand Paul to Glenn Greenwald, Brad is having conversations and focusing on issues that are driving America with the people who are in the driver's seat. So... Head over to your favorite podcast app, hit subscribe, strap in, and be prepared for some wild food takes like Rand Paul and his Grand Mayonnaise Conspiracy. Again, that's Breaking Boundaries with Brad Palumbo available in your favorite podcasting app today. Alrighty, folks, that's going to wrap up my conversation with VP candidate Spike Cohen. Thank you, Spike, because Spike gets it, right? Spike knows and understands that, yes, we cannot be The guy on the corner screaming at people how right we are. We have to be problem solvers. And once we are problem solvers, we become trusted advisors. And yes, that is how we win the future, by building trust. And folks, I cannot encourage you enough to check out folks like Spike Cohen. Spike's got it figured out. And I cannot encourage you guys enough to support Spike and all the ventures he's doing over at Muddy Waters. I will include the link to all that and more in the show notes. So make sure, folks, you go ahead, check out Spike's uh, amazing network and support the work that Spike's doing over at Muddy Waters. Heading up... On Friday, what do we have in store for you? Good friend Brad Palumbo returns to The Brian Nichols Show. And we are going to go ahead and discuss the outcome from this crazy, crazy stimulus bill. Uh, We dig into a bunch of uh, crazy payments that are going out there, like to Nigerian princes. What? I know, it sounds like an email scan that could only... Really, fool Michael Scott, but let's be real uh, the United States government, we're only one step behind Michael Scott from a uh, managerial standpoint. So, of course, uh, as we look uh, here into Friday with Brad Palumbo, another fun filled episode coming up in store for you guys. So, make sure you hit subscribe and you do not miss a single episode. While you're there, head over and give us a five star rating and review. Tell folks why you are a longtime listener or a brand new listener of The Brian Nichols Show. Why is it that you've stuck around and subscribed to every single episode here on The Brian Nichols Show every single week? three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And folks, if you've not had the chance yet, well, make sure you go ahead and follow me on, uh, well, whatever social media platform uh, I'm allowed to be on this week, because Parlor's now officially nuked, and I know uh, Twitter and Facebook are, are nuking accounts left and right, so wherever you are, it's at B. Nichols Liberty. follow me while you still can, and in the meantime, if you can't get in touch with me, email me, brian at briannicholsshow.com. Folks, that's all I have in store for you here on Wednesday's phenomenal episode. Thank you to Spike Cohen for joining us. Looking forward to our conversation with Brad Palumbo on Friday. But with that being said, it's Brian Nichols signing up here on The Brian Nichols Show for Spike Cohen. We'll see you Friday.
1: Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com.